Welcome to Punk Frockers, a community sewing podcast brought to you by Jenny Hassler and Beverly Baptiste. Hello, Jenny. How are you tonight? Oh, super duper. It's a rainy day here and I had fabric arrive already started on the pre-wash. So what else could you ask for in life? Yeah, sounds like you're doing good. <laughs> Tonight's a about special you? night for us. It is. It's an amazing night. I'm so excited about our guest. Yes. Yeah, so we have a guest here tonight to talk to us and we're going to let her introduce herself. So Sarah, me, why don't you introduce yourself to our listeners? Well, hello. Um, thanks for having me. My name is Sarami Duffy, and currently I live stream sewing on YouTube as well as upload videos. And I'm Instagram and all that. Um, and my handle is so so live. Okay, that's great. So I have been wanting to have you on for a long, long time. I was first introduced to you because I was making a pair of jeans that you had made and you had a video for, and I was like, I think I had, I was only about, I don't know, two months into my sewing. And I decided to make a pair of jeans with a a button fly and I got so confused by it. And then I went to your live stream and I could see you doing exactly the steps from the exact (laughs) pattern that I was doing. It was fantastic. I was so excited. So then I found you and I was like, wow. So sometimes when I'm just um, sitting around, I'm not usually available during your live streams, but when I'm sitting around sewing, I'll just put on one of yours. And it feels like, you know, I'm in in a room with, with another person sewing and it's fun. I love that. And I actually love that you tackled jeans so early on in your sewing, because people ask me all the time, like, what, what do you think is a good beginning project? And my answer is always like something you really, really want, because, you know, it's like when you learn to knit, they always throw a scarf at you. And by the time you're four inches in, it looks kind of like a hot mess and your gauge is changing and you don't really want that scarf. You know, there's no like love involved. And I think like, you really got to start tackle something you really, really want. So did the live stream though, like, did that bug you? Because it wasn't like edited and like, okay, do this, do this, do this. No, but, um, you had, um, time markers for the exact parts. And so I went right to the fly part Oh, perfect! and I was like, oh my gosh, it's right here. And then I watched, and I kind of watched the whole thing. So (laughs) it was really great. So for people who don't know, when Sarah Mee says she does live stream of sewing, they're, they're like three hours long. I mean, they're not, it's not like a normal YouTube video that's a half an hour um, or 10 minutes on some of them. And okay, first of all, I guess we should talk about how you learn, when you learn to sew and how you got started on just being, <laughs> just being able to sew. Um, well, I've, I've told the story a few times, so I'm sure a few folks have heard it because I was kind of a a brat and I didn't want to learn how to sew. Um, it was the only elective available to my schedule in high school. And so the first time they put me in the class, I was like, Nope, I don't want to be in here. And I, I am embarrassed by some of the like reasoning I had behind it, but it was really just that kind of, it was probably like an early feminism, to be honest. Mm -hmm. I just felt like 
no, just because of my girl, I'm not going to learn how to sew. And um, I got out of it the first time. And then the second time it happened, it really was my only option. So I stayed in the class and I was a little bit of a brat at first. I'd just be like, I'm not going to be staying here. So don't count on me, you know, like that typical teenagery stuff. And um, I couldn't get out of it. And when I first did my first project, I barely remember like what it was. But the first time I read pattern instructions and saw the pattern pieces, I just loved it. Like there was just something about the engineering side of it and the way the spatial thing, I have a really good spatial sense, um, the way I can think inside out and put something together. And it just really clicked for me. And, you know, my construction wasn't great. I mean, I wasn't a good sewist, like, don't get me wrong. (laughs) And, And my funny, like my funny beginning sewing story is that I did a crop top and it was plaid. And so, you know, like, oh, cut on the line, hem on the line. So you have a nice straight um, plaid crop top, right? Well, I I thought I did. And I kept, I was like evening it up to hem it. And apparently I matched my plaids on the side seam. So I had to do that, but I matched them one plaid off. So I was basically <laughs> trimming it in a concentric circle and it was getting shorter it. and shorter. And I think one of my like table mates was like, that's looking like kind of short. And I was like, oh. Oh, you know, just kind of remembered. <laughs> and I hemmed it and of course said, Oh, I meant to do that, you know, and uh, tried to pass it off that way. So, Hey, as long as it looks on purpose, I think that's great. Uh, a great thing that happened to you. So when did you start working in sewing? Um, let's see. I, I learned in high school and, and I want to say I learned junior year, but I think that's me falsifying my memory. I'm pretty sure I learned in sophomore year. Like I think they foisted it on me earlier than I always think they foisted it on me. Um, and I, um, you know, at the time, this is the eighties. Um, I graduated in 89 and they did this thing where they try and like place you with your future career, figure out, Mm -hmm. you know, like they take, have you take this test and I don't know anything about that test now. And interestingly, they, um, didn't offer me to be like an engineer, which is, I learned later, that's what I would have wanted to be had I known about that, the existence of engineering and, you know, just, you know, they just didn't offer women, things like that. Um, But they did say, um, which I just remembered the other day, which is so weird. They thought I should be a movie director or I should work in movies. And I thought at the time I was like, heck no, like going on stage or being in front of people like that. Um, I have, I have something called vasovagal syndrome and I pass out really easily when stuff like that, like I'm nervous or stressed or something shocking happens or sudden pain. It's totally fine. It's not a big deal. It's worse for everybody around me. Um, but the idea of like directing people, even being a boss, that was just terrifying. And here I am on YouTube now and I'm super into video and, and I always have been really intrigued by video and anything visual like that, especially video. Um, so I so didn't get off there in the end. What's I that? mean, what you're telling me is your high school was exactly right about your future. Yeah, but we don't want to say that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I can't imagine saying go forth young woman and be a movie director. Where the heck would you start? You know, like, I just feel like that kind of stuff. 
at the time I, I felt like I was definitely like rosy colored glasses for everything. Um, but I do feel like that was a little bit like, let's get your hopes up and throw you out into the world. You know, like it, it felt really artificial in a way, mm-hmm. but I did have friends get really interesting suggestions. I don't remember who, what went and did what, but, um, I did, uh, I went to decide to go to fashion school because I wanted to draft patterns. And that is the one thing I learned going through high school. High school was, you know, I had a decent time of high school as far as academics and stuff. Um, and, uh, you know, my mom was, <laughs> I should talk to her about this soon. My mom seemed really disappointed that that's what I was going to be doing was going to fashion school. I feel like I remember there being a little bit of in- strong encouragement to go to UCLA. Um, and my mom is a retired nurse and I was raised pretty much by my mom, but she did get remarried when I was like 12 or 13. And so I had a young brother and sister at this point too. Um, but my mom was still kind of like in charge of me, you know, like Mm -hmm. my stepdad, he's really awesome, but he didn't really step in, you know? So what she thought and said mattered a lot to me. Um, but I was pretty adamant. I was like, I want to do this. I, I really want to draft pat. I wanted to draft patterns. Like no one goes to fashion school and wants to draft patterns. That's not really typical. It's usually design they go to. Mm -hmm. And that is a design degree. You go, you study fashion design. So, um, but the interesting thing about all this is that I started three weeks after I graduated high school. Like I'm one of those people that I'm like, give it all to me right now. (laughs) You know, like I am gung ho with pretty much anything I do. And I don't like to wait around. And so I didn't, I started, I went to college in the summer and I couldn't even imagine doing that any other way. Like the idea that my friends all had this like lazy summer, just chilling like that didn't, I was like, we're free though. We can do whatever we want now. Like, aren't you ready to go? And so I did. And, um, probably less than a year later, I got my first job working in the garment industry. So when I was 19. So what did you do there? I sewed and did patterns and it was a mother daughter dresswear company that I have lots of interesting stories about, uh, run by a husband and wife out of their home. Okay. Had two small children. And I pretty much did mostly like I helped her sew and stuff like that. Um, there's even hilarious moments where I had to fill in for like a model in a catalog. And I was 19 years old posing as a mother of a seven-year-old, you know? (laughs) Um, So uh, it was a little bit of a stretch, but they put makeup on me, maybe tried tried to judge me up and make me look older, you know? Um, Yeah. So, and the husband was a former like engineer for like one of those really big airplane manufacturers, like Boeing, And Mm -hmm. he did a lot of the pattern drafting, but he didn't quite know what he was doing. And he really wanted it to be the same as what he was used to. And so there were really interesting conversations where he would pretty much call me in finally when he'd be like, I don't understand why this isn't working. And here I am, I have like one year of school, but I went to a really good school. It was very concentrated, very, very hard. Um, And so I did learn a lot in one year. Like I I did feel I was past him strangely. Um, But there was, um, you know, like I always tell this story that they, they really wanted these tartan dresses. So they had these, like, they, they were very much like, remember Laura Ashley? 
Uh-huh. Oh yeah. It was very much influenced by Laura Ashley. This is pre-internet. So it was a um, physical catalog that they printed. She came from printing. So she enjoyed that aspect. And for Christmas, they wanted a green tartan dress and a red tartan dress, same exact fabric came in two different colorways. And it was a pretty small tartan, like the half the three quarter inch, you know, kind of a tartan plaid. And they wanted this pleated skirt to like a classic bodice, classic bodice with a pleated skirt on the dress, um, puff sleeve with a black velvet collar. Like, is this, this is like, we could probably all picture this silhouette, but he, they wanted the pleats of the plaid of the pleats to match the bodice on every single size. And at the time I didn't quite have the capacity to understand technically why that was impossible, but I knew it wasn't possible. And he, it just drove him crazy. He would say things like, Sammy, I put parts on the moon. This, this should definitely work, you know? And and I was like, but, but there's different sizes of people and that's you know, the ratio of tartan and the, you know, like it's really complicated. And I'm really glad that wasn't my job to try and figure out because I've definitely worked places where they would be like, here, do this impossible thing. Um, so yeah, that was, that was my first job. <laughs> so that was your first job sewing in like for, uh, for pay. Mm-hmm. So then, um, but you've done a lot of jobs in the sewing industry. Mm-hmm. Uh, mainly because I freelanced. If you ever want to get really good at what you're doing, even if you're kind of at that beginning stage, I highly recommend being freelance because it's it's really hard, but you get a really good variety of um, clients, no matter what your field is. And you're, you don't get paid unless you do the job. And mm-hmm. so there's a lot of motivation to follow through and be on time because you also can't make that job last too long. Otherwise you're getting paid a dollar an hour, you know? So there's a lot of motivation for that. And I think I did um, have about 150 different clients just in that time alone in about 10 or 11 years. Um, I think that's what I did that for, but I've worked in the garment industry as well. Like I, I actually worked employed at places that had factories on site. I was really lucky that when I graduated college, it was still fairly common that the factory would be on site at the place you worked. It wasn't as um, esoteric as runway, couture, that kind of thing. That's just not, that's just not very common. Most Mm -hmm. of the people in the world don't wear that. Right. Right. So that's a very, that's like being an artist in the fashion industry. Mm -hmm. You know, it's going to be a little bit more specific and rare. So so when where you worked though, that was where people were actually doing the sewing of all the garments that were then getting sold. Yep. Right. And you were doing that, or you had different jobs there? No, I, I was a pattern drafter or designer. I see. I see. Yeah. So before okay. I graduated college, um, I mean, even in yeah, I mean, uh, when I graduated, I, I got jobs as pattern as a pattern drafter. It was not hard at all. It wasn't <laughs> it, okay. No, not at all. Um, and it's interesting because when I look back on that time, being a pattern drafter was higher value and I didn't know that it's not like you're taught that, um, everyone wants to be a designer. And for me, I always just went where the money was because I needed to, I actually needed to pay my own way 
I worked full-time when I went to college and went to school full-time and I commuted seven days a week in order to do that. It was pretty intense. Um, so I was very motivated by having a job that actually paid my bills. Yeah. Whereas a lot of my student, um, friends there, they weren't working in school. Their parents were paying for things. And so, um, there's nothing wrong with that, but it was definitely a different motivation. They definitely had more interesting dreams to hear, you know, which was really cool to be around, you know? Mm -hmm. And for me, I was just like, (laughs) I want to work somewhere, (laughs) you know, that was my dream (laughs) and I wanted to draft patterns. And so, um, so yeah, and, and I would work places where I could get hired as a designer, but almost immediately they'd put me on the pattern drafting because they were like, oh, we want you there. And yeah. designers, I hate to say this, they were kind of a dime a dozen. They would, designers didn't get paid as well. And mm-hmm. they would also switch out all the designers every like third season, fourth season. They didn't know that. I knew that, wow. um, which was not common everywhere. And you guys all have to remember this is, we're talking the 90s. This is yeah. a completely different era in the garment industry. So how long did you work in that? Um, t- did you say 10 years? Oh, uh, there, let's see. I worked a ver- variety of places for probably five years out of college, maybe maybe seven years, six or seven years. Um, and then I w- worked in the outdoor industry, okay. um, which I, I loved. I, I kind of became a garment industry refugee. I just was like not... This was not me. Um, The one thing I didn't think about when going to work for the garment industry was that you pretty much have to do it in these really big city centers like Mm -hmm. L.A. or New York or, you know, um, I can't remember in Texas where it was, Dallas or Fort Worth or or maybe Houston, um, Seattle, you know, these. And I, I learned I didn't know it. I couldn't put words to it, but that living in big cities wasn't really my jam. Like I didn't really like the traffic and all that stuff. So I had always lived near the coast or when I could choose where I wanted to live, I was living near the coast. And so, so yeah, I mean, it, it, you know, I worked at a few places and then after the outdoor, I left the outdoor place and they became my client and I went freelance for 11 years. And then I got employed again. Um, I got got kind of like recruited out of the, the, um, freelance gig. And I had like won an award in the outdoor industry for design. And that's how it kind of put me on the radar of this recruiter. Otherwise I don't really think they would have known because Mm -hmm. it's not like when you're freelance, um, people brag about their pattern drafter, right? Right. 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 (laughs) You're usually kind of largely unknown to the world. So, right. And yet it is such an important function. A good drafter makes a world of difference between a pattern that works across the many blocks that may be being drafted for and one that does not. Yeah. And I, and I, I think like for the most part, most of the places I worked, thankfully the pattern drafter was the designer. Um, but that's not always the case, you know, and there's sometimes is a disconnect, but a good designer does know how to do pattern drafting, but a lot of them don't really want to do that. And so they're not really, it's not their main thing, you know? Mm-hmm. So there's definitely some. 
something falls this short gives there. You, like such an interesting perspective. Um, so one of the reasons that we, that we had you on right now was that I saw your, um, your video on YouTube about what to expect from pattern companies. Yeah. <laughs> and I thought it was so great. And like your perspective on it is really interesting because I think that, you know, I'm definitely guilty of saying if something fits me well, then it's drafted well. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. you know, um, and if it looks how I expect it to look on me, that it's drafted well, but that's not really um, what that's about. So can you talk a little bit about what it means for a pattern to be well-drafted? Yeah. I mean, I think like when I did that video, um, I, even I feel like I muddy the waters when I talk about certain things, because we do kind of lump fit sizing and drafting all into kind of one nice little lump. (laughs) Sometimes it's a good lump. Sometimes it's not a good lump. And I think talking through it, I worked really, really hard on that video. Um, I wrote a script for it. I rewrote the script a lot. I recorded it probably six times, um, edited all the way through, ditched it, did it again. And because I really wanted to make sure that what I said was accurate and understandable because mm-hmm. there, there does feel like these there's subtle nuances when you're just kind of talking about it. But then when you get down to brass tacks, they're really different things. And so like, when I talk about good drafting for me, that's, is it all sewing together correctly? It says nothing to do with fit and sizing, although those are key components of it but they kind of happen at different stages, right? So when you're drafting, usually you're going to start with a block that's already gone through its whole, you know, thing of becoming a good block. And then when you get to the drafting phase of your pattern for the style, you're just using that block and you don't have to think about all those things. It's already done. Like, you're just like, hmm, do I want this pocket here or here? You know, and that's not, has nothing to do with fit and sizing, right? That's just what it's going to look like, the style of it, what's the design of it. Um, And, you know, the fit that is going to be part of the design um, and the size that came about with the block because your your size chart came first for your company, then your block. And then maybe you kind of went back and forth on those two things and honed them in together. And then you moved forward. And then, you know, like I say in that video, you know, fit is based with, is based on comfort and what the trends are. So the way we wore jeans, let me tell you the way, the way I was wearing jeans before I got pregnant. And by the time I was done being pregnant, they dropped the rises on jeans. Heck a rude for someone who just had a baby <laughs> and you can't find jeans that go with your belly button anymore. Like, look, I didn't want jeans to go to my belly button until after I had a baby <laughs> I find them. and they went way low, right? They went really extreme. And so the, if I had been wearing jeans, how I wanted to wear them, I would have looked completely weird. It would have been so out of style and it wouldn't have been the fit that people were looking for. Right. So it's, it's personal. Fit is personal. And it is also dictated by what the designer wants it to look like, you know, and, and that's the difference. So I have a question if this has to do with drafting or not. So for example, um, 
when you look at so the the rules for grading for example so um in straight sizes they may because Jenny and I talk about this all the time of what <laughs> she would consider a good amount of ease in the hips of something that she's going to sit down in versus what I would consider a good amount of ease and those those grading rules need to change when you go to bigger sizes right like there's more spread um perhaps between um a you know between the sizes at that, because my, when so, I sit down, it doesn't, that doesn't change as much as it does for Jenny. So I, I think the place that I find, I, I think the, the question that I see there is um, if a, if a jumpsuit is drafted and at Beverly's hip size, say 40 inches, I'm making a number up at about that number of inches. If they've built in eight inches of ease and at my 62 inch hip size, they have also built in eight inches of ease. It's not the same look. Those garments look fit and hang differently. To me, whether it's drafting or something else, if you have, if you have put out a pattern where those two things are true, you have not given one of those people the opportunity to wear the garment as intended. And my assumption is generally the straight sized person is probably going to be able to make it as intended. Going to come out on top. Yeah. And the plus size person isn't, but, but that's one we see often. Another one I've always wondered about, and I'd love your taxonomy on it is there's a pattern company. I love, 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 love. I make lots and lots of things of them. They make assumptions about arms that involve about eight extra inches over any human I've ever seen. I have I have pockets where I literally have to bend over and it and their block is my height and I literally have to bend over to put my hands in the pockets and it's always confused the hell out of me and I don't know if that's a draft issue a design issue and based on the sketches on the pattern that model's not bending over to put her hands in her pockets <laughs> I think there's a different problem like I don't think it's sewing together the way it's intended even though I think the notches I mean like they put them on on purpose where they did but but I don't think it matches the designer's vision this is so detailed and so like can I just name all my patterns that I have questions <laughs> about no, but I mean those types of things are those draft fit or design or something else Okay. So, um, you guys just mentioned a lot of different things. And so (laughs) first of all, I want to separate ease from grading because they're completely separate things. Mm -hmm. So the block that Jenny's going to wear is going to be a different block than the one you're going to wear Beverly. So theoretically the proportion of ease would match between your two blocks when they draft the style. So meaning, if it is eight inches for you, Beverly, I'm, I'm indicating you because you like, you know, you're at the bottom of my screen, but um, then it would be different for Jenny because it's a different size, right? It's a, it's a proportion issue, okay. right? Um, and then the grading could be kind of the same thing. Grade rules are a little different between um, Missy and curvy um, sizing, uh, but they're not too different. Okay. So then the grade is only the difference between the sizes. So theoretically, the ease is built into that pattern and then it's graded. So it just kind of travels around right up and down the thing. Mm-hmm. The grade rule can change, which um, shouldn't affect the percentage of ease, 
but you are talking about some really tricky calculations if you're going to be that detailed about it. But honestly, mm-hmm. if you are sticking to, um, you know, Jenny's wearing the jumpsuit that was in the size range drafted with her, her block in mind, mm-hmm. and Beverly's wearing the jumpsuit from the block that is your size range, then they should proportionally be the same. And I, you're right. I do not see this occasionally. And it's very frustrating. And I, I don't really have like, I don't know what else to say about that, honestly. Um, But I agree with you that the ease will be a different number. Yes. It's a proportional thing. And it, and it's kind of similar to how I kind of, I feel like this could be not similar, but in my mind, this is how I can liken it. Um, say you have a piece of stretch fabric in front of you, right? Mm -hmm. So if you were to take a four inch piece of stretch fabric and pull it, it stretches this much, but if you took an eight inch piece of fabric, it's going to stretch this much, right? It's, there's so much more stretch. Yeah. And if Mm -hmm. you looked at the percentages, they'd be different. Um, right. Well, they wouldn't be different technically, but it would be the same. Yeah. The percentage percentage is the same, but the the amount of stretch you have, but the length would be different. Yeah. Yeah. The the full stretched length would be different. Yeah. It's the same with shrinkage shrinkage. When uh, I used to work somewhere where we did garment dyeing. So all of our patterns were drafted and they were um, drafted as a pure pattern, meaning no shrinkage. And then they were then kind of confusing, but they would figure out the the shrinkage on the fabric that that particular sweatshirt was going to be cut and sewn in because it was different. You'd get different lots of of sweatshirt fleece in. So they'd figure out the percentage of shrinkage length and width on every single roll of fabric if it was every different lot. And so then when you would figure out that percentage, you would want to figure out the percentage of shrinkage on a test piece of fabric that's like a 10 inch square or bigger because that's more accurate than say a four Mm -hmm. inch. You're not going to throw a four inch piece of fabric in the laundry. Right. But the other thing is if you were to throw a three yard piece of fabric in the laundry, it's going to shrink less than say a 20 inch square. There's, Mm -hmm. it's just because there's a bigger piece of fabric. It's just not getting as, it's just not getting as much shrinkage. And so when you cut that yardage up, it could shrink a little bit more, you know? So it is percentages do some weird things when you're talking about volume. I think that um, one of the things is when you talk about these separate blocks, there's there's some really important details that I think it helps when people have some more knowledge about um, curvy bodies. Because, for example, yeah. yes, the um, the proportion needs to go up when it comes to hip size, right? Like the 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 proportion's the same, but the the amount of ease, let's say, has to be bigger. We've mm-hmm. established that, but when you come to maybe pocket size, it, it, the, the pocket maybe gets a little bit bigger when you get bigger, but it doesn't need to proportionally get bigger. Our bone structures are essentially the same. There's just maybe a little extra padding. It's the neck hole that I usually see the problem on. That's the one they seem to forget, especially in the big four patterns. Mm -hmm. I'll make a big four pattern, none of which are really designed to fit me. But what the heck, I can fit in the ease sometimes and actually think the garment looks better on me. (laughs) But that stupid neck hole, I'll make something where they've taken what's supposed to be a stand-up elasticized neck. And by the time they're done, they have me cutting a 22-inch piece of elastic. (laughs) And I'm like, what is even happening? What do you think is going on? I mean, even this, I don't think I get to 22. I mean, (laughs) it's... 
it's just hilarious sometimes when you see those issues. Is that a drafting issue? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that that's a, a lack of knowledge issue you okay. Know? And, okay. And, and lack of Fair. testing, you know, like I think um, if you're not going to take the time and cut and sew every one of your garments in every size and try it on a person that measures on a that, human. Yeah. <laughs> don't be surprised if you have some issues, you know? Right. And, and honestly, you know, it's really interesting. I, at, at one point in my life for a very brief, brief period of time, I had two friends and we all uh, weighed the same and we were almost the same height, but we wore completely different. Our clothes looked completely different on each other. Yeah. And and I, and then I had for a longer time, one of those friends, I had her in my life for a long time and she and I were the same height. Um, and, but we were completely different, you know, sizes from one another. And, but we measured the same in certain areas. It was just so bizarre. Your body, bodies are different. <laughs> They're just yeah. really different. And this is, this is why I say, you know, you can't really expect everything to fit. And there is no such thing as standardized, you know, standardized sizing or standardized fit, you know, it, it because, and people say, you know, I want this to be based on real people. It actually is. It's all based on real people, but you're not like your mother or your neighbor right. or your friend. Um, but if, if the pattern designers provide the information about what the block is, what, what did you draft my size from? How tall was the person you drafted from? Did you draft short-waisted or long-waisted? What were the, you know, what, what, what size assumptions did you make at different parts on that block? That is really helpful in combination with the measurements that they say that it was designed for and the finished measurements. I can usually put that together and make some good first guesses yeah. as to what adjustments I want want to make. And since I'm not a big, I I'm wearable twalls only, there's very little that I do where I'm like, eh, one and done and I'll just toss it. Mm -hmm. But I have a good idea. And I think, I, I think it's true for many fat sewists. I have a really good idea as to what kinds of adjustments I may have to make mm -hmm. where it's frustrating is where a pattern ends 10 or 12 inches before my body does. And I have to try and figure out how in. to make that work. Yeah. And so I choose not to. That's something I've really, I've just walked completely away from. My money can you. be spent with people yeah. who want to do that. But there's some other consequences for that. There's, I know we're not really talking about community and sense of belonging, but there are, there are lots of patterns that sweep through the sewing community that I, I don't have access to. And, and I get varieties of responses when I say that on this podcast, even I get messages that say, then just lose weight, you fat ass, whatever. And I'm like, dude, first off, really personal. But beyond that, that's not actually a solution that doesn't solve the problem. I deserve in the body I have to have options, same as anybody else does in the body they have. And it's frustrating when those aren't there, um, particularly in a, in a community that really tries to be a community. It's, it's hard yeah. when you recognize those spaces where you're left completely out. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. And, and I even say in the video, like, look, I don't, I actually don't think every pattern company has to draft every size, but I want them to. And, right. and I, and, and the, the reason being like, I hate to say it, but I don't actually trust some pattern companies to do a good <laughs> job drafting um, certain sizes. 
And I feel like a lot of, I don't know this for sure. I just have been around enough fitting rooms, design rooms, and places like that Mm -hmm. to know. This is what I think. I think that a lot of the curvy, new curvy sizes that are coming out, I wonder if they've even been tried on a human person or if they've only been tried on a mannequin or a dress form. I mean, not a mannequin. I can't believe I just said the word mannequin, Um, a dress form, because that's a completely different thing. Like I have a custom dress form that was, my body was scanned and they made a dress form for me and it's still different. You know, like that is you measure it. It's me. But when you put, when I put it on, it's different. And so that is a, it's a completely different thing. And I think that while I, I'm really, I'm really happy that there's people like taking these huge investments and, you know, getting it, making a whole nother set of blocks, doing all the drafting, doing the grading, doing the testing, the sizing, getting the dress form, all that. I wonder how many bodies they've actually been tried on. I mean, the big four certainly isn't because they would not, they would realize that. Oh, waste no, no way. Next, you know, yeah. um, the, the big four is making so little progress and shows truly very little interest in, in that progress. And they have in the past, back when you were learning to sew in high school, many years after I started sewing in middle school, they, they actually had patterns in a broader range that extended further than they do now. They've become more limited. Mm-hmm. And there are so many of their specialty designers that ended a 48 inch hip. Some of them end before that. Mm-hmm. It's, it's shocking to me how much that's not changed in the 40 years I've been sewing, which feels like a long time <laughs> to see very little progress there. And it is, it's, it's hugely frustrating. And I, yeah, I, I get that not everybody's going to do it. I appreciate the companies that do, and that's where I'm definitely going to spend what is a ludicrous sum of money on patterns annually. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, I think, states. you know, uh, an interesting point too is, I mean, everyone has to, when they try a new pattern company, they try it and they find out, okay, what kind of adjustments do I need to make? That's true of everyone. Mm-hmm. But when Jenny tries out a new pattern company, she finds, oh, they actually didn't work with any fat people, you know, like, mm-hmm. and so she, She's looking at, like, I'm not, I can look and see, oh, this one, the shoulders, I have to do my little shoulder thing on and this, I have to do this on and, you know, but in her case, she's like, no, they make the, you know, the neck too wide or whatever it is, you know, they, they don't consider the actual bodies. And one of the things I really liked about your, your video that I mentioned earlier was you talked about all the things that we should be expecting from sewing companies that were from pattern companies that we're not getting. Um, and that includes like the numbers for the finished garments are available. <laughs> they have them. They're there. They're what there. the hell? <laughs> it, it has I to exist. I'm so tired. Of the big four telling me the measurement from my neck to my knees. I understand that that is a number people can use, but oh my God, of all the possible numbers to put on the fitted dress, that is not the one I need. That is the one I am going to have the easiest time adjusting, assuming that my boobs, my waist, and my hips fit in your dress, which I cannot tell 
And I can tell you, Joanne's gets quite cross at you when you start pulling those pieces out to look at the <laughs> measurements that the catalog says are printed on the pieces because they're like, how are you going to put that back in there? And I'm like, oh, I thought that was a you problem. And <laughs> it's, it just doesn't go well. And yet it's the resource they give you that you can't even go online and get those from them. How hard would that be to provide? And to me, that honestly speaks to how little they care. Mm-hmm. about particularly their fat sewists that well, they don't they don't even care enough to make a pdf available online in an yeah, inconvenient space behind a password or something i mean yeah i i <laughs> i feel like it is like the fear of being ripped off that's i think that's huge i mean it's obviously a huge huge um topic in the garment industry right being ripped off for your designs and so if you're going to provide these measurements you're just basically giving someone a template right but the thing is one one useful measurement well one i actually i just disagree with that kind of thinking i don't think we're not reinventing this stuff like it's their their bodies and i guarantee someone's not going to take your measurements and start a whole um brand and if they do, yeah. well, at least customers that like both of you are going to be able to go back and forth between your patterns, but it's not going to happen because I guarantee you that that designer that's stealing your numbers, they're going to start using them and be like, oh, I want to change this because it doesn't yeah. fit me very good, <laughs> you know, because every, every owner makes it fit them better, you know? So yeah. I think um, the, the idea that it scares me, I have to say, like, the fact that that, me- that information isn't just there makes me think it's not there. And that makes me really nervous because like, what if they are kind of coming, what if they don't have a block? And you know what? I would guess that a lot of companies don't. And I, and I don't actually think that that's even that scandalous to say. I just think that that's no. probably the truth. They don't have a block. Um, I can, you could definitely, I could tell certain companies do, um, but I feel like there's a lot of little companies that don't. It was, their company was probably started on a lark. They'll get around to it. Never happens. I'll just use this pattern to base this next one and blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah. Right. And that that is how you draft patterns a lot. You, you, you know, I would get a directive from my, um, boss or whatever. And, you know, like at one place I worked, I had to grind out so many patterns. It was kind of intense. You know, I'd gone from doing 10 patterns per year to something like, you know, 500, you know, and it was of such a big difference. And what they would say is, all right, for style number one, two, one, eight, five, we want you to base it on number this blah, blah, blah from fall 2016. And we want to do a lower neck and a longer sleeve and blah, blah, blah. And they just give you like basically a bolded list. Yeah. And you're, yeah. cause they're like, we like the way this fits. We just want to update it with this thing, you know? And, and that is how a lot of patterns are drafted, right? You are using existing stuff, but. That was how I did it when I was, when I was drafting, I didn't sell patterns, but I, I drafted patterns um, because I sewed wedding dresses for people yeah, that were start just. start with what you know out of my brain. And yeah. so, yeah, I would, I would start with things I already knew and I, I didn't even know a block was a thing. Right. So right. yeah, I just started with what I knew. And I think that's really normal. I understand that that, that is where I bet where some of the smaller pattern companies start and, and stay right now. Yeah. It's disappointing 
when you hit a certain level, <laughs> if you have not graduated up as well. I think like one thing to think about is um, to follow the money. So, mm-hmm. and what I mean by that is, you know, I'm always about how, um, how profitable your venture is going to be. Right. And, and I'm not, the funny thing is I'm not one of those people who believes everyone needs to be a millionaire. I believe in contentment over everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but I also do think that you shouldn't be giving stuff away for free and you should definitely be able to support yourself. Right. And mm-hmm. so if you were to look at how many patterns someone would have to sell per month in order to live and feed a family mm-hmm. and you took out all the cost of the printing and whatever, and you just made a ballpark, it's an incredible um, number of patterns. And I think that that's why I buy patterns at full price when I can, you know, I, mm-hmm. I, I don't mind that, whatever I buy them on sale too. Don't get me wrong. But at the same time, it does make me go, you know, a lot of these companies, they probably just do not have a glimmer of the funds it would take in order to start basically a whole nother company inside their company by adding the block and doing all that. Do I think, do I, do I like that answer? No, I don't, I don't like that answer at all. You know, I, I really want people to start off right and make a block for each of their size ranges. And once you have that done, I just can't stress this enough. Once you have your block done, you have your sleeve, your front and your back, your pant, your front and your back pant. Once you have those five items, the world is your oyster. The designing yep. cart is easy and fun. And if you have your block for each size range, all you have to do is draft your, you know, one style and, you know, using your block in this size range, blah, blah, blah. Right. And then you grade it, you know, yep. and you don't grade it until yep. it's absolutely done. Right. And then, and then you do the same thing in each range. It's like, it's actually pretty straightforward. And I, I think that for some of these, I know there have been companies that have gone the GoFundMe route or other types of routes to try and achieve some of the funding for things like that. I think there is support yeah. that people may offer to assist you in developing that next block. If it means a more inclusive experience, it's the sort of thing I would imagine Beverly as a straight size sewist would support to bring another company into to making patterns that would fit my body, would fit the bodies of sewists that are larger than I am, because I am not the biggest sewist out there. And I am often not included in the top size range. So there's a whole pile of us with, you know, money that we would like to spend just waiting. And I, I, yeah, I recognize how difficult it is. And I appreciate each and every company that makes that effort and particularly makes that effort to make sure they have the testers available and the opportunity to try those on real bodies, because I, I do make a fair number of patterns that yeah. clearly were never tried on a body my size, at least. Well, yeah, and another it, when you were talking before too about, um, so you have this block or whatever, and whatever sizes you have, um, I do think that even even if it was just some basic measurements to know what the block was, um, because so for example. I'll find some uh, pattern and I know that I have um, a wider waist for my hips. So I'm pretty straight in between my hips and my, and my waist. And so there'll be a pattern and it'll have the finished garments maybe for my, for waist and hip, but it won't tell me the intended ease on it. So I can't really, I don't know 
if the, you know, some things are supposed to look a little curvier than you are even like, you know, just kind of it like a cocoon shape or whatever, whatever Mm -hmm. it has. And it's hard for me to determine what to do with the pattern when I don't know, like if they didn't even tell me how much ease it was supposed to have. If they told me what the block measurement was, I'd say, oh, the block measurement has this proportion between the waist and hips. So I'm probably going to want to take this much off the hips or, you know, something like that to give me a clue when starting. And maybe when I have more experience, that'll be easier for me, but. And then you have fewer job per pants that you get out of regular. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think like uh, knowing the block measurements is, I don't think it's that as helpful. I think what you need to know is the body measurements of the person intended to wear it versus the finished measurements of the garment. Yes. Um, and it, if, if people aren't adding, um, I actually don't mind saying like spicy things anymore. Cause I'm not really sponsored by anyone and I don't really care anymore, but, um, like, I feel like if you're not putting in finished measurements, knock it off, put some freaking finished measurements on your pattern <laughs> and the ease, because it's, it's like the way I liken it to, and like doing that like video and writing the script and just looking at it from all these different angles. And I feel like I could have kept going on that, you know, mm-hmm. but I had to eventually stop. You know, one of the things I thought about is like, you know, when we order clothes off the internet, we see a size chart, right? Granted, there is usually one, if you're ordering a pattern, there's a size chart there, but it's so basic. And, it, and it's the same when you're ordering clothes. I understand that. But sometimes you can see the finished measurements of clothing on um, ready to wear you know, yeah. clothes. And you can't do that on a lot of patterns. And I, I don't like that. I, I really want the data. It's there. Well, also, if I buy something in, um, in ready to wear and it doesn't fit me, I can return it. You can it. return it. This is exactly where yeah. I'm getting is that that's the thing is like your, um, your risk to cost ratio is so drastically different between buying something off the internet and sewing it. Right. Yeah. And, and it's just like, I say, like, you know, we're, we're all sewing this one time, you know, yeah. most likely you're sewing it one time. Like th- that's the, Except for Jenny, us- who does 20 times, but yeah, yeah, exactly. I have a few like that too. Exactly. Yeah. No, nowhere near as Jenny's scale. I, I understand that. <laughs> <laughs> And, um, I, I would do that though. If I wasn't streaming, I will be honest. Like if I was streaming, I'd stick to like probably five garments and just sew this all the time, you know, but, um, yeah. And I think that, that, um, it's disrespectful. I think it's disrespectful to sewists because they have to, they have to research fabric. They have to buy fabric. They have to research the pattern. They have to buy the pattern. They have to research the fit. They have to hone the fit. And there's just so much work being put there's as much work being put into it i would argue as much as the designer put into designing the dang garment because the, basically you're taking this little piece of paper pattern and and trying to make it fit you and yeah. you're really going through the entire process for one measly garment <laughs> you know and i think yeah. like that risk is so high and that's that's why I say, I gosh, darn it. I want you to start showing it on every size. Like I want it to just be a drop down photo. Like, like you see those t-shirt companies do. I just want to see them all side by side. I want to know that each of those people measures what the size chart measures. Don't tell me they're wearing a size 14 without 
them actually measuring your 14. Because that's, you know, a, that's a really good point because a lot of pattern companies will say they can't find testers in this, but that's not testers. They can sew them up and you can easily find someone to try them on. Well, I, I, I kind of side with them on that finding fit models, which is just someone who measures your measurements. It's hard. Like okay. you think like, cause I would put calls out and then people would think they're coming to model, not be a fit model. And then they're like, so depressed. <laughs> well, they're not getting <laughs> photographed, you know, even though it's it, really clear. It is even, hard. And yeah. yeah, cause I'm out there. I apply every time somebody asks for a fit model, I send my measurements in, but I'm, I'm unproportionately hippie which makes me a decent fit model for some things, but not so good for other things. And, and I get in occasionally and I don't other times, but it is, that is, that is one of those where you need someone, as I understand it, to be pretty close to what it is you're trying to figure out. And sometimes I seem to get the call because it's someone who just wants someone to regularly hear, I'm going to mail you a thing. And sometimes it's someone who's like, Hey, I'm trying to do this specific thing and the fit model I have, it's not working. And so I need some more bodies in this range. Mm-hmm. And, and so I've seen it both ways and it is, it is a little harder. And I, I think there's a lot of reasons for it. One of them is of course, it's not compensated work frequently. It can be, I have been compensated, but I have also been uncompensated for it. So that's a barrier. Not everybody can afford to freely give of their time. And that's, mm-hmm. That's completely reasonable and appropriate. Um, but in addition to that, I think there can be a misunderstanding about what it is you're signing up for. It's not always it's not always clear. And I know what I'm looking for when I look for those calls. But I yes. think that if you aren't, like your mention about people thinking they're going to be a model, that can be one thing. But the other thing is they may think that they are somehow part of testing out the final fit. And they're not really. They're really just someone to get some clear images of to understand what you're doing next. And then it'll go to testers who may or may not include you. Um, well, and don't forget the the um, the vulnerability. You know, yes. I think um, anyone, no matter what size you are, and I mean that, no matter what size you are, we all don't want to be judged and scrutinized and stared at mm-hmm. for a garment we're wearing. and. Um, like fit is such a, it's such an emotional topic, no matter who you are, you know? Mm -hmm. So that's why I want to demand so much more. I don't want to break the bank. I just want to demand a little bit more, you know, but I would also argue if you're having so much trouble finding anyone that measures your measurement on your size chart, maybe it's time to look at your size chart. You know, there's something (laughs) wrong there. If you're getting only people that are in this upper echelon or you're only getting people that are always two inches under your hip, maybe something's going on there with your size. Yeah. And, and I think there's some validity that, because of course, plus size bodies are all different in the same way that straight size bodies are all different, but just like straight size bodies, there are, there are some generalities you can make and sure Beverly's going to fall out of them because she's different and you have to pick a shape at some point. Because yes. that's, the, that's the other thing I'd love to see happen, right? That everything comes in a straighter shape and a more dynamic shape and things like that. Mm-hmm. But, it, but you've got to pick your limiters. And most people have chosen a particular curvy shape. But that shape, the way that bodies tend to develop as they get fatter, tends, isn't always by any means, but tends to be more bottom heavy, mm-hmm. tends to be higher waisted. And so if you aren't changing your chart, as you're going up, if you're just adding inches to the chest, waist, and hip proportionate yeah. as you move up, you're not you're not actually capturing those bodies. You're unlikely to find that model because that model 
is a very small subset of the general population that might mm. be that size as and, an example. Yeah. And your straight chart probably needs to end sooner than you think, because what you've been doing is stretching your straight chart to yeah. encompass some curvy sizes when really those curvy sizes at the top of your straight chart, they're not fitting in those. You need to yeah. just lop those off mm-hmm. and put them all into this other size chart. And I think that's where a lot of the giant necks and giant wrists come from is people who've been grading up from a much, much smaller block. And they're just going kind of proportionate in those spaces. And eventually they've, they've created, I mean, something I can only imagine as a raggedy and doll that's, you know, grown <laughs> full size because it just doesn't make sense anymore. Yeah. And I think that is that stretching that happens as you exceed the limits of your block. Yeah. I mean... I don't, I feel like that's giving them a little too much credit because I, I just think like, you should you still at, try it on a body. I mean, <laughs> well, yeah. And the thing is like, um, like when, like say um, you're in a, at a production floor and garments are coming off the line, they're done, right? They immediately go to quality control if it's a bigger company, right? Well, any company should, right? And uh, that quality control person will have um, measurements right there and they measure certain things. And they have a tolerance. And so there's a tall, like, okay, it can be minus eighth of an inch uh, or plus an eighth of an Mm -hmm. inch, but it's got to be within that tolerance. And then it'll get rejected if it's not right. And that's, you know, if you had too many rejects coming from one particular SOAS, then, you know, they're going to be up for review. Right. But the the thing is like, you're, you're getting all that stuff. It exists, all these measurements exist. So if you're computerized grading, which big four are finding those measurements, isn't quite as taxing as when you're measuring <laughs> printed pairs. <laughs> um, and, but I will say like the other thing, this is why I want to be this like bridge, right? Because what a lot of people think is really easy using computer aided drafting it is just as much work. And it's the only thing that's easy. Is you don't have to cut out every freaking size anymore because you're <laughs> grading them and you're, it's going to get printed in this whole nother way. But um you don't just push a button and it grades it for you. There are some softwares, really, really high-end softwares that are doing something like that. Um, But you're inputting the X and Y axis for a point for every single size. And that's Mm -hmm. how things get graded with a CAD program. So if you have 14 sizes, you're putting in the X and the Y for every point on your pattern for all 14 sizes. And so- If you're not going to stop grading your neck at a certain point, because you can just zero out the grade, like after it gets to a point, you just don't grade it. (laughs) You know, it's not hard. It's actually a little less work, you know? So I would like to give them the benefit of the doubt on one hand, but on the other hand, like, come on, (laughs) you know, and it is, it is one that I do always find humorous. And when I make a garment like that, I do always comment and I'm like, what? What, do what you happened? Think is happening? <laughs> it's like my, it's like wrists. I have relatively small wrists for a woman my size, but fifteen inch wrists are not a reasonable expectation. <laughs> yeah, for the record, for, and, eight and, and my, a half my, is my, average. <laughs> right, and when I'm doing my my sleeve is usually I do based on my high bust more so than anything else, and I'm a twenty two in big four. <laughs> what is happening in the big four that they they think those wrists are 15 inches and that's the elastic measurement on the wrist. I mean, anyway, just insane. Um, Enough slamming on them, I guess for that, but maybe not because honestly, 40 years of sewing and so little progress, but um, 
<laughs> well, what would be your best tips for sewists to find patterns that suit them? And you gave some really good tips in your YouTube video, which I will link in the show notes and I hope everyone goes to watch, but um, maybe you could talk about some of those here. Yeah. So um, my favorite thing to do, and I just did a video about this too, is looking at hashtags. And I understand like not everybody's on Instagram and I completely understand lots of reasoning for that. Um, But this is what I want to say about them. Hashtags are really wonderful for the sewing world because what you can do, um, and and I'm constantly like explaining how to, how these work. And and if someone asks, you know, because I don't assume everyone understands how to use a hashtag, when to use a hashtag or what it is. Um, But so I'm just going to talk as if I think you know what a hashtag is. Um, And so the best thing to do is to find the hashtag for the garment you're interested in making or buying as far as the pattern. And don't assume you know what the hashtag is, because if it's called the Shirley, I guarantee you, you're going to get 1.5 million hits on a hashtag named Shirley it might be the HC Shirley if it was a, you know, Helen's Closet Shirley or whatever, you know, you want to make sure you know what the hashtag is for sure. There may be more than one. And then when you search on Instagram for that hashtag, you can, you'll just see all these pictures and some of them, they won't apply. And that's just how it is. Uh, but you can at least see it on a multitude of bodies. And what I say look for the bodies that look like you and look for the people who are using a fabric similar to what you think you'll be using. You'll start kind of noticing things. And that's my number one thing I like to do. If someone um, says, you know what you should sew, that's one of my favorite (laughs) things that someone says to me. First thing I do is I look at the hashtag um, because I want to see what, how many sizes is this coming in? Is this on a multitude of bodies? Um, does it come in inclusive sizes and how is it fitting? Um, so that's my number one tip. The other thing is make a muslin. I mean, like I say, you just can't expect that it's going to fit you perfectly. You just can't. It's sad, <laughs> but true, but that's just how it is. And there's nothing wrong with the pattern because it doesn't fit. Let's see. What's my other one? Um, look at the owner of the pattern company. <laughs> Do they look at you like you at all? Um, are they really, really tall and straight and you're short and curvy? You might want to look into that pattern a little deeply if that's the case. Mm-hmm. There's, um, I don't think that that's a bad thing. Like I say, p- bat patterns are based on real people. But they just may not look like you and me and that's okay. We're all real people. That's just how it is. Yeah. Measure yourself. <laughs> I feel like that's such a cliche thing to say, but measure yourself and And do it honestly. Honestly, no one's going to see those problems I've had. Yeah. If you're, if you're still busy trying to fool yourself into thinking that, that you didn't gain an inch on that waist in the last two years, you're not doing yourself any favors. And that's a mistake I make periodically still is that I'll, I'll be measuring and suddenly I'm like, oh, that's right. I'm not supposed to be pulling it tight. I'm supposed to be making it fit as my body is not trying to prove that my body is something different. Well, and things (laughs) move too. Like my boobs aren't where they used to be, right? They're a little lower, right? So that measurement might be a little different. And I think that that's also important to note. (laughs) Maybe you've been 
bucking hay all year. And all of a sudden you're like, why aren't my shirts fitting anymore? Dude, you got muscles long. You know, you just didn't realize it. So one thing that I do too, and I got this tip from Jenny Rushmore from Cashmerette was um, when I take my measurements now, I mean, I don't have any real emotional attachments to the numbers of my, of my measurements, but I do have an expectation of what they will be. And so if I, (laughs) measure across like my waist and I get a number that's different than I expect. I kind of pull it tighter until I get to the number I expect (laughs) or whatever. So what she suggested at one point, and this is, you know, for people who do have an emotional attachment to numbers is I am accustomed to seeing my measurements in inches. And so now when I, before I start a pattern, I take my measurements in centimeters Mm -hmm. because I don't know what I'm supposed to be in centimeters. And so then I just flip the tape over and see where the inches is. And I write that down no matter what it is instead of very clever. Yeah. I I love that because it is true. And I think, um, you know, one of the jokes in the, um, one of the design rooms I worked at, I worked with this really wonderful woman and she'd worked for this company as a pattern drafter for a long time. And, um, I would say, be like, I'd be kind of stuck. I'm like, why isn't this working? Okay. And she'd be like, do you want a second set of eyes? I'm like, yeah, you know, will you measure this for me? And she'd look at me, she'd kind of give me the sly smile. She's like, what do you want it to measure? <laughs> you know, and, and, and really it's just because like measuring is, it's pretty hard to measure accurately and you can't kind of flub it a little bit here and there, you know, like if I'm killing myself over a 16th of an inch, she's offering me an absolvement of that 16th of an inch <laughs> in a very kind way, you know? And um, when you're doing it on your body, I, I love that idea of just doing centimeters, you know, leave it to Jenny to have a really clever way around that, you know, cause she's so clever. And, um, I I like this because like a lot of European sizes are just a number and it's Mm -hmm. usually, it's like associated with a body part. So if you're looking at a dress, it's going to be the the chest size Mm -hmm. rather than it being six, eight, these ambiguous, weird numbers that we all have these emotional attachments over. Mm -hmm. What I love about that is that everyone's just comfortable with that number, you know, like it's just a number and yeah, I'm sure that there's stigma there as well. It's night. It's always, you know, grass is always greener. Right. (laughs) But at the same time, it makes it more honest in some ways. And I always, I feel like I started looking into like when vanity sizing hit, like what happened with the European sizing like that? I always wanted to know, did that happen to that as well? You know, was a 38, really a 40. You know, I don't know, but, um, yeah, I like that. I like, I like it when it's just simple and honest and it's okay. It really, Mm -hmm. it really is because that number is going to be different lots of times throughout your life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And they're just numbers. They're really just a thing that helps you, especially as a sewist, get that comfortable fit that you want, get that, get the look that you're going for. Yeah. Yeah. I would have clients that didn't like it when their finished measurements were in fractions and they would say, can you please make these round numbers? (laughs) (laughs) You don't tell a pattern drafting nerd to make anything a round number. You know, I'm like, what are you talking about? Every number is beautiful and perfect. You know, that's the way I'm looking at it. You know, and they're just like, well, I just don't like these eighths and quarters. I'm like, who cares? It's a finished measurement. You know, like that's, how it is. And if you're going to start 
skewing it because you don't like the, the, like dealing with a messy fraction, you're going to change. And I had one insist on it and her, their size chart was really messed up and I hated it. I stopped. It means you get what you get. I mean, you're, yeah. Garbage in, garbage out. It's, I actually, I work in accounting and a lot of what you've said is, has resonated as far as that profession goes as well. And, uh, and that's one of the sayings I have on the whiteboard in my office is, you know, bad information yields bad results. Yeah, it's, exactly. it's just true. It, it doesn't matter how well intended or whatever the reasoning is, bad information yields bad results. So, yeah, and if someone's afraid of a fraction, you probably don't want to draft their or work on their patterns or yeah, I mean, so their patterns, you know, so for sure. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Sarami, this has been such a great interview. I'm so glad. Thank you so much for coming to talk to us. I spend a lot more time with you than you do with me because I watch <laughs> your shows when they're not live. Um, well, I listen to you guys. I mean, okay. I, I love, <clears throat> I love audio stuff so much, you know, so. And, and for me, I've mentioned to you before, my favorite of your videos are the ones that delve into the business side of things. I find those just endlessly <laughs> fascinating. Do you like the production stuff too? I like the production stuff and I like the numbers stuff, like the stuff that talks about what it is to be a business, because I think that's, I mean, I'm an accountant, so that's just naturally a place that I'm interested anyway, but the production style stuff, it's all of that's really fascinating for me. I rarely do sew alongs, I think in part because what I discovered after watching your channel is that what I want to do I want to do Instagram lives where I chat while I sew (laughs) and my setup is so lame. Like, I don't know that anybody can see anything I'm doing and I'm (laughs) constantly like half dropping the camera and it's just (laughs) awful, but I just like sitting there and being like, so now I'm folding it like this and look, I'm not ironing and (laughs) going on with what I'm doing. I'm like the antidote for someone doing it the right way. I'm like, but look with my shoddy actions, you can still get something that looks pretty good. (laughs) Well, I don't know. I get kind of yeah. I was gonna say I get kind of mad at my chat when they don't tell me that it's a little dark or the camera's too far <laughs> away. And then I'll look, I'm like, you guys are all talking about baking anyway. Who cares what I'm doing here? I'm like killing myself for you guys. You guys are talking about cookies, you know. So <laughs> well, yeah, every once in a while I'll turn the camera and I'm like, oh, they've been chatting. <laughs> because I don't have a setup where I if I'm looking at my sewing, I can't see what anybody's saying anyway. So <laughs> yes. So the funny thing too, is that, so I don't ever want to do a live video of me, um, sewing, um, but uh, when I'm watching yours and it's not even live, I'm talking to you, Sarah, I'm like, you'll say something. I'm like, Oh, that's true. You know, and I'm talking, I mean, ask if I'm on the phone with Jenny or something. No, I'm talking to YouTube. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's such a one-way conversation that sometimes I'll be, I'll sometimes be like, you guys, I asked you a question. I actually really need to know the answer to this. And they're like, oh wait, what did she ask? Like you guys are listening to me, you know? So it is, uh, it is, it is funny. Yeah. But yeah. Well, someday I'll get a proper camera system and I'll have the, (laughs) the don't do this sewing hour. (laughs) Well, I, you know, did you guys, who was it? Someone posted a bingo once of sewing rules. I don't know if you guys ever saw that bingo and I did it was, see it, but I haven't tried it. Well, anyway. I, when I saw that, I kind of came late, came late to it. And it was like all the things that you shouldn't do were on this bingo. And it was like, how many have you done? <clears throat> I looked at that bingo and I was like, are you guys kidding? Because I've done every single one of these things 
and I've done it live on camera. I don't know where these rules come from, <laughs> why y'all are killing yourself over some of these rules. Like just relax. I think the only one I hadn't done was regularly uses scissors on paper, fabric scissors on paper or something. It was, yeah. wasn't even that it was something weird. And I was like, well, yeah, I don't do that because it's just not really there to do, you know, but all the other things I was like, oh, heck yeah, I've done all these things. There's no yeah, rule. There's, Question everything. There's definitely a, a degree of breaking rules. And then there's, there's what gets you the results you want and what doesn't mm-hmm. get you the results you want. And that's what you're really, yeah. I think you have to focus on. And, and yeah. the results I want don't, don't necessarily involve as many of the things that some people consider rules, but it's done. I mean, is really so nice. like if it gives me my result. I'm happy. Yep. <laughs> Jenny's been sewing for 40 years. And so she can, uh, it, for me to be able to get the result that Ginny can get, I have to be a lot more careful than she does. You know, I have to pin more things because I'm not going to be able to hold it. And like the one time Jenny was like, you use a seam gauge. Like it's not hard to just wing it. And I'm like shaming her. Wow. I'm like, I, was, I was totally wow. shaming. She her does shame me. <laughs> <laughs> We've taken up a lot of your time, but thank you so much for coming to talk to us now. It was such a pleasure. All right, you guys, we will see see you you next Tuesday. Tuesday. The Punk Frackers is created, produced, and edited by Beverly Baptiste and Jenny Hassler. On Instagram, you can find the podcast at Punk Frackers. You can find Jenny at J.O. Hassler and Beverly at Weeds to Wildflowers. Our artwork and music is created and performed by Jim Duran. You can find him on Instagram and his website at jimduran.art.